everybody. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute. I'm your host, Doug Krause. I'm with BMO Harris, and I specialize in doctor loans. As always, you can reach me at Doug Krause, that's C-R-O-U-S-E dot com, or 816-728-3631. My email address is my first and last name. It's Doug.Krause at BMO.com. And if you haven't already received a copy of it, feel free always to request a copy of our free book, The Hippocratic House. It's kind of geared towards doctors and first-time buyers. So today I want to talk a little bit about mortgage don'ts. And it's 90% just good advice and maybe 10% sarcasm, but bear with me. So the very first one, and this comes up so often that don't look at houses first. That's a big no-no. It happens way too often that people decide that, hey, I'll figure out the loan, I'll apply whenever I'm ready to look at a house. If you think you're getting ready to look at houses and say, you know, there's the right house comes along, I'll go ahead and do it. As soon as you say that, the right house is going to come along. So if you're within 90 days of when you think you're ready to buy a house, then you're ready to get approved for mortgage. And the reason I say that is 30, 40% of the applications I get come in on the weekend. Doug, can you help me out? I need to make an offer and I need a pre-approval letter. Yes, I can, but guess what? Better than half my competitors don't work like that. I've got a team and somebody's available. That's not always gonna be the case. And then whenever you don't prioritize doing the loan application before you start looking at houses, it's going to be that perfect house that happens along and you're not going to be able to get pre-approved when you need to. You're going to make your offer on Monday and then they've already made a decision and went with somebody that was more prepared. So don't talk to the realtor first. Come to me, come to one of my competitors. I don't care, but get your loan financing in order first. That's just Rule number one, it's so much easier and it'll take so much stress off the situation if you have that ducks in a row. Next thing on my list is don't overlook options. And by that, I mean, don't get so hung up on the fact that you think you know what you want without being open-minded to listen to other things. Because I talk to a lot of people that come to me and they want to hear 30-year fixed and don't want to hear anything about an adjustable rate mortgage. And that's totally fine. I don't care if you want a fixed rate or adjustable rate, but truth be told, most people benefit from an adjustable rate mortgage, don't truly understand how they work. And statistically speaking, 80 plus percent, I would say even higher than that in the past, but as the pendulum switch, I mean, the pendulum swung to the point of, I think we're going to be more in an upward trending environment on rates that, yes, I think that number is going to drop. Maybe 80% of people won't be in a house long enough to really have needed a fixed rate where I would have said before it was 90 plus. And it wasn't necessarily even just the house. It was rates were falling. They were going to refinance. So you take a 30-year fixed rate over something like a 10 or a seven-year arm and say you're paying a half point higher interest rate previously is like, Hey, next year you're refinancing anyway. You say you're not, but rates kept falling and why wouldn't you, especially if you could get a free loan. So don't overlook it. Take the time to get the facts, find out more about it. 
because there's actually more savings than meets the eye. And by that, I mean, that's probably too in-depth. I'm sure I've talked about it before, but if a 30-year fix costs you $200 a month more, simple math, you think in 10 years, it's 24,000 difference. It's not, it's more than that because on the back end, cheaper interest rate pays principal quicker, even though the monthly payment's cheaper. So that 24,000 quickly became 30,000 or maybe more. And again, 80% of the people will not have the mortgage in 10 years. So, you know, whatever that number is, if you kept it three years or nine years, all that money, that 200 a month plus the back end principal reduction you were giving up is gone. And it was for nothing. I mean, basically you just paid the bank more profit because you paid them a higher interest rate on a loan you just didn't need that guarantee on. So there's always going to be the exceptions. And there's certainly places where it just doesn't even make sense. I tell people all the time, not that long ago, the rates were compressed and my 30-year fixed and 10-year arm were only an eighth of a point different. At that point, are you really saving enough to take the risk? Probably not. But when you're talking a half a point, keep your options open. I mean, just listen, go through the math take the time to review it. And that's where you have the time to do that. If you apply first, ask lots of questions. There's no dumb questions in this business. To me, I all the time have people, I almost feel like they're afraid to ask. And I just like wait for them to ask all their questions. And then I go back to them and say, all right, here's the questions you didn't ask that you need to know. So don't be afraid to ask questions. Next thing, shop for your rate before you apply. I mean, it just makes sense. It's just like buying a car. You're going to shop prices before you pick the car. Shop your rate before you apply because there's no reason to go apply with three or four lenders. Figure out who you want to use by shopping rate. And the important thing when you do that, you have to shop rates the same day. So you can't come to me and ask me my rate on Monday. Go to one of my competitors on Wednesday because guess what? My rate changed on Tuesday and it changed again on Wednesday. So you're completely comparing apples to oranges whenever you don't get quotes the same day. However, and this isn't 100% of the time, but chances are if you got both rate quotes on Wednesday and then you're ready to do something on Friday, then if I was cheaper on Wednesday, I'm probably still going to be cheaper on Friday. Can't promise that, but I mean, that's a good rule of thumb is expect the same, my example of cars, if you got a dealer that's selling for 5,000 over sticker, they're probably still going to be 5,000 over sticker two days from now where the other one was selling at a discount. When you're shopping, you have to make it a fair comparison. You're looking at rate, obviously customer service always matters, and then lender fees. That's the other thing too. Anybody can quote you a cheap rate, but how much are you paying for it? And are you chasing rate? Because most of the time, it rarely benefits somebody to pay a bunch of money up front to buy down the rate because of the time it takes to break even. And then the chances again of refinancing or moving that you don't end up uh, in the loan long enough to break even on it. Now, if your break even's three, four years, probably a decent bet at this point, just based on the fact that rates are not likely to have the dips that they had in the past. But at the same time, if you lock a rate this year and then six months or a year from now, rates go down a half a percent, it's probably worth refinancing on a bigger loan. If you bought down your rate to get that versus if you know could get an even cheaper rate later, 
then I just, I hate seeing people chase rate, I guess is my point. Know what you want before you buy it. And by that, don't go out, just no idea what you're looking for, because you're going to get into a situation where you're going to have buyer's remorse. You're going to go out, put something under contract, and then you're going to realize, hey, this doesn't really work for me. This wasn't the school district I wanted. It's not in the floor plan I liked. It's just whatever the case be, the commute, get all that stuff figured out up front. Make sure you're looking in the right place for the right type of house up front. And hopefully if you have a good realtor, that's the advice they're giving you. This one's a big one. And again, if you haven't gotten a copy, I highly suggest it. Hippocratichouse.com. Ask for a free copy of my book. Whether you do alone with me or one of my competitors, I think it's a good resource that my wife's a doctor and she tries to drive this point home. And I love the fact that she does that don't overspend. You're going to come to somebody like me and I tell you what you can get approved for doesn't mean that's what you can afford. So if you can have a 45 debt ratio and you make 20,000 a month and you can spend $9,000 on all your debts. If you have no other debt and you want to spend $9,000 on your house, yes, you can get approved for that. And technically you can afford it. But what happens six months from now, whenever you have a car that you need to buy or a year from now you have kids and then you need to have daycare. I mean, there's just too many factors that somebody with a physician's attending income should not be on a paycheck to paycheck type. So a 45 debt ratio, of course, there's outliers. I mean, unfortunately, that's just cost of doing business. If you're on the West Coast or part of the East Coast, the, the wages just aren't there that you can actually buy something that's probably within the range of what you're looking for in a house without getting on the higher side of your debt ratio. But my point being, just because someone says you can get approved for it does not mean that's what you need to spend. I mean, figure out that's why upfront you figure out what you need, what you want, and make a decision to kind of know ahead of time so you don't get caught up in the hype or get into a bidding war and then go all the way up to the absolute limit that you can afford with that not really being your intent. I think getting hung up on the payment is something that I also see people talking to me a lot that let's say, for instance, your budget's $4,000 and you've got money, but you want to hold to a payment of $4,000 and you've got $100,000 you have to put down to make that happen. $100,000 probably changes your payment $500 a month, give or take, and if you ask my advice all day long, if you qualify for a $4,500 payment and you can keep $100,000 in the bank versus wipe out all your savings, but it gets you to that $4,000 mark that you're absolutely comfortable with, you need to make a decision of either one, do I really need this house if I want a $4,000 payment? Don't spend every dime you have to do it if you've got to the point where you've got that kind of money saved up, does not mean, I mean, you're in the driver's seat. As a physician household, you get the option of low to no down payment loans that you're not penalized with PMI. Take advantage of it. You can always pay down the loan later, but things come up that $100,000 in the bank is so much more valuable than a $500 higher monthly payment is. 
And something I always try and coach people to do is look at other ways that you could spend part of that $100,000 and then still have the total obligation. And I'll give you an example. Say you've got $40,000 car loan and the payment on that $600 a month. Why not pay off that car and then free up the $600 a month that you feel better about making a $4,500 house payment? You still got $60,000 in the bank. What I hate to see is people scrape together every bit of money they have to do it. And it's totally fine. I mean, there's circumstances and I would say 50% of the loans that I do, people really don't have much more than just the bare minimum we require, which is probably four times the payment in cash reserves. And that's okay if that's your circumstance. But if you happen to be fortunate enough to have cash, then don't be in such a hurry to throw it all at your house just to get a cheaper payment. You can always do it after the fact. There's no prepayment penalty. So you could always come back after you've closed, settle in for three to six months and get a feel for, hey, really, I can live with the $4,500 payment or I just can't do this. I got to have my payment where I wanted it. Most lenders offer what's called a recast where you can pay like, Mine, for instance, is a $250 fee. You can come back after the loan closed, say, here's my $100,000. Give me a payment that's $500 lower because now I owe you less. And it's a $250 fee and you can just right size your payment. So I much prefer people, if you have that option, the luxury of having the cash, hang on to it. Another one I see is assuming that your parents and or your realtor know more than you do. The reason, I mean, most people think that is obviously the realtor does this for a living. So they see a lot of transactions, parents, they're older than you. They bought many houses, but guess what? They're not you. Your circumstances are totally different than your parents were. I mean, your parents are much less likely to move than you are. So parents are older, are going to be old school or probably going to frown at somebody offering you an adjustable rate mortgage. I'm telling you that 80 plus percent of people will come out better off with an adjustable rate mortgage. So it's something you should consider. And then the same with the realtor. They don't know the circumstances. And especially if it's a realtor that doesn't work with doctors on a regular basis. So doctors move more often. So that's another reason that they just don't know all of the things that your lender knows. Because, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you're giving us a lot of details about your life that the realtor shouldn't be privy to. So trust your lender. I mean, trust yourselves because nobody knows. I mean, even me, I mean, if you come to me and ask me advice, I don't know what your life plans are. If you're going to have kids, if you already have kids, things are going to change. If you plan to move in five years, that this is absolutely not where you want to spend your life. So all of those things matter that your realtor probably doesn't know that. And your parents' circumstances are totally different than yours. I mean, the affordability of housing is totally different. There's just so many circumstances that not saying don't take people's advice, but I'd probably lean more on my lender's advice than I would the realtor when it comes to finance. And I certainly would look to the professionals over my parents for that advice. So just keep that in mind too. Don't get in a rush. That's something that if you talk to the realtor first, they go out and they want to rush you into writing an offer before you've ever done your homework of, hey, how much house can I really afford? Two, can I get approved for the loan? And then they 
try to convince you that the only way you can be competitive is, hey, you got to close in 21 days. Guys, that's just not true. I mean, think about it. If you're the seller, are you going to pick somebody that's going to close in 21 days and pay you $800,000? Or are you going to give somebody 28 days that's going to pay you $840,000? Money matters here. So don't let a realtor make you think that the only way you could compete is make your earnest money that you have no loan contingency. That's terrible advice. I know that it's a tough market out there and things are changing a bit. So just be careful. I mean, it's not their money. So I look at it, I don't care how much money you make. You can make $100,000 a month. If you're putting 40,000 earnest money down or 30, I mean, I just had one a couple of weeks ago, somebody put $30,000 earnest money down, no loan contingency to close in 21 days. And they did all that before they talked to a lender. That's crazy bad advice. I mean, just don't let somebody let you do that. You're totally putting your money at risk and there's no reason for it. And I guess the final thing I'll say on the mortgage don'ts is don't pick somebody that doesn't have experience doing doctor loans. So realtors are notorious for and they want you to talk to their lender. That's great if their lender's done many doctor loans, but they're kind of a specialty product that not very many of us offer that you end up talking to a broker that tries to disguise a non-doctor loan where they're buying out the PMI. It's not going to compete. I mean, it's just a fact. And talking to lenders that don't really have your best interest, I mean, it's a commission job, people. I mean, there's a lot of competition for your business. Talk to somebody that you really get a feeling for, that they really care what's best for you. So if you come to me, I'm the first guy that's going to tell you that, hey, I'm just not the best deal for you. And I'll tell you right now that if you come to me and you're spending less than the jumbo threshold, which is 647200 you need to shop around because that's really not my bank's niche that I'm probably going to be better than half. And if you're very diligent about shopping, you'll probably find a better deal than me. On the flip side, if you're spending, you know, over 647, 100% financing or million plus, then it's a good chance I'm going to be very competitive and maybe the best deal you're going to find. But it also matters if you're going to talk to somebody that you do need to know that somebody's going to be available. And I'm not saying that I'm going to drop everything every Saturday night and Sunday morning that I'm available 24 seven, but at the same time, it that's the market. I mean, this is not a nine to five banking job. So if you upfront get the feeling when you're first talking to somebody that it takes a day or two to get back to you, then you better think about that when it comes time to make an offer. So you want somebody that one has done doctor loans, has a very good understanding of how they work, but you also need somebody that's available enough. So at least to feel like that if it comes down to you find the perfect house on a Saturday, are you going to be able to get what you need from them? And it's a much better chance that you will. If the very first thing I said was get your loan approved up front. Ideally, if you apply and get pre-approved, not just pre-qualified, then you're very much in the driver's seat that it's very easy to go in and close in under a month. But if you're going out and putting a house under contract and waiting through the weekend, a couple of days to get it to your lender and then say, oh, by the way, we're trying to close in 21 days. 
you're at high risk, that's just not going to happen. And a lot of that's just not within our control. Appraisals drive most of the timeline and hit and miss whether appraisals are going to take a week or are they going to take two and a half weeks. So anyway, that's my do's and don'ts. Feel free to reach out anytime. You can text or call me at 816-728-3631. You can get on my website at dubkraus.com, which also has a link to the book, The Hippocratic House. Love to hear from you. Thanks. 